Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. I was thinking about what happened in Dallas this past week, and, and I want us to be praying for them. We're going to pray at the end for that, um, just for the people that are affected by that. I was thinking, man, how does that happen? Like, how does that happen? Legitly, how do, how do you take the life of another human being? How do you, someone you don't even know that has done nothing to you even, how do you take their life? And I was thinking, I mean, the only way that you can do that is if you lose sight of who people are. That's the only way that something like that happens, is that you lose sight of who somebody is. And you don't see them for who they really are, and you make them something they're not, and then you, in your heart, you give yourself permission to treat them as less than they really are. It doesn't have to be killing somebody. Anything that we do to people in life, it starts with us losing sight of who they are. So if you have... Your Bibles, open them up to um, Luke chapter 15. We talked about this story, uh, the prodigal son, a couple weeks ago, but from the, the uh, talking about the father and the, the prodigal son, but I want to talk a little bit about the other guy in this story, because you know this story is actually about the older son. That, that's, that's, he's the point of this story. I mean, there's lots of amazing lessons we can learn from how the father treats the prodigal, but this story was actually told because of the heart of the older son, because Jesus was talking to Pharisees who said, how on earth can you sit and eat with sinners and tax collectors? And so he started telling them stories to address their question and to point out what was going on in their heart. And so it says, and he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father... Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. This is Luke chapter 15. It's verse 11 through 32. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything, went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread and I'm here dying with hunger? I will get up and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older brother was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you and I've never neglected the command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. We had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost 
and has been found. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have these amazing words that were straight from Jesus' mouth that show us who you are and how you deal with, with your children. And God, I ask that everything you want us to see in the scripture be seen. God, that the seed of your word, Holy Spirit, that the truth that you bring forth would go deep into our hearts, that our hearts, God, would be good soil, that the seed would bring forth fruit. God, and that the fruit of our lives would be tasted by a world that does not know you. God, a world that's looking for you and doesn't even know it a lot of times. God, that they would taste the fruit of our lives and see that you're good. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, the, the Pharisees come to him and they say, I can't believe, you know, they're, they're looking at him and they're saying, so you're this rabbi, you're this teacher, you're this Messiah, you're all these things that people say that you are, and yet you're eating with, with sinners and with tax collectors. And, and they, they, they cannot understand why he would do that. They can't understand why he would sit with people that they thought were below them, that they thought were less deserving. Certainly, if the Messiah is coming, he's going to come to the people who have been studying Scriptures, who hold the office of Pharisee, who are priests among the people, who live these perfect, on-the-outside lives. And certainly, if he was going to have lunch with somebody, it would be us. And they're offended by the fact that Jesus is choosing to have lunch with somebody that they consider to be lesser than them tax collectors and sinners. And so Jesus tells this, this parable, and like I said, we get so much out of the story of the prodigal because we all, at some point in our lives, most of us can identify with the prodigal. We identify with the one who didn't feel he was worthy and deserving of the Father's love and who the Father has overwhelmed with his response to us and, and put a robe on us and told us, I haven't lost sight of you. I'm not ashamed to look for the world to know that you're my son. I'll put my robe around you and boldly declare to the world who you are to me, even though you were just a minute ago living in a way that I wish you hadn't and that brought shame to my house. It doesn't matter to me because your heart's returned to me and I'm not ashamed by anything you've done. And I'll restore you back to where you were. And I'll celebrate and I'll announce to the world that you're my son and I'm proud that you've come home. That's amazing. What an amazing thought that we have a father that never loses sight of us even when we lose sight of who we are. He said, I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. He had the whole speech rehearsed. He's gonna, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell him I'm not worthy to be your son. I'll work my way back as one of your servants. We do that stuff. We feel like we failed God and we're not worthy of what, where we were before. And so we try to make a plan where we're going to work our way into something and earn our way back into something. And the father just comes and overwhelms him and cuts him off before he even gets that out of his mouth and lets him know, I have no plan of you trying to work your way back into the position that you had in my house. You're my son. I've never stopped believing that. That's awesome. But then there's the other side of that. The older brother sees the ruckus, hears the noise, calls for a servant and asks what's going on. So he's, he's off from his father's house. Here's the ruckus, here's the noise, knows there's a party going on. That's why we don't feel like it's wrong to dance and sing and have fun in the father's house. Because Jesus didn't think it was wrong to dance and sing and have fun in the Father's house because the Father in this story is God. And in His house, they were dancing and celebrating. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus wasn't afraid of it. We probably shouldn't be either. But maybe we just need something to celebrate. Maybe those who understand want to dance and celebrate. 
Maybe we have sometimes some older brother mentality where it's okay if they're dancing and singing as long as they're not doing it in a certain place or for a certain reason. Maybe. So he calls a servant and he said to him, You're, uh, what's going on? Why are they dancing? What's the party all about? What's all this noise and commotion about? And it says, he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. So rather than just going into the house and finding out what's going on in the house, he calls a servant over to him. And he says, hey, what, 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 what's going on? What's going on here? I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, if I'm coming up to my parents' house and I see a bunch of cars and I see a bunch of balloons and I see a bunch of people inside celebrating, I'm walking in the house and figuring out what's going on. I'm not waiting outside the house stewing and calling for somebody that's not even a relative of mine and saying, hey, what's going on in my dad's house? I'm going to walk. But see, there was something in the older brother where probably he already had a little bit of offense. Or he had a little bit of feeling of, of not measuring up or not being good enough or not being welcomed or not being... There was something going on in his heart because it doesn't even make sense for someone in this position to call someone in that position and get the news from them. It would just make sense you'd go into your father's house and find out what's going on if you felt like you belonged there. And so we find out later that he really did have a little bit of offense and he really was keeping score. But, but the older brother doesn't. So he asks what's going on and look what happens when he says, your brother's come home, your father's killed a fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. Verse 28 says, and he, but he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. When did he become angry? Was he angry when he saw a party going on? Was he angry when he heard music and dancing? When did he become angry? When he found out why there was a party going on, why they were dancing, why they were celebrating. If we have the mentality of an older brother, a lot of times we're okay with stuff as long as it's not being done for someone that we deem unworthy. A lot of times we're okay seeing people promoted. We're okay seeing people, you know, get stuff and receive stuff and be blessed. And we are okay with the Father celebrating somebody publicly as long as it's not somebody that we feel is unworthy or undeserving. See, the greatest test of our heart is how do we respond when somebody's blessed, even somebody that we think doesn't deserve it? Because it's all well and good when you think someone deserves it to celebrate with them. Why? Because you think they deserve it. It makes sense to you. There's going to be a lot of things in your life that shouldn't make sense to anybody that doesn't know the Father. Including celebrating when somebody that looks unworthy to the world. See, the rest of the world doesn't know what the Father knows. Everybody who has seen this, this son, and everybody would have known who he was. His father was a wealthy man. He was prominent. People would have known he was his son. It would have been a scandal to see him living with the pigs. It would have been scandalous to see this. And a lot of people, maybe even good people, probably talked about the way that the son was living. Did you see, uh, did, dude, did you see who's working over in the pig pen? I see him over there. He's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, he looks like he's starving. He looks like a mess. I know. He's living there, I heard. Living there? Yeah. Isn't his father? Yeah. Oh my gosh, what do you think he did? I don't know, but it must have been pretty bad for the father to send him out and to abandon. It happens. It happens. We see people and we make a judgment because we see where they are. And everybody would have known this. 
And it wouldn't have made any sense if the next day they would have heard, hey, uh, remember the other day when we were walking by that pig pen, we saw so-and-so in there starving, trying to eat the stuff he was giving to the pigs? Yeah. I heard, the other, I heard that like, later that day, someone else was headed to the store, and they saw him walking, and he had his father's robe on. Really? He had slippers on his feet, too, and he had a ring on his finger. Like, his father's family ring was on his... F- Seriously? Yeah. And then they had a big party for him. What? Right? Like, like, because it doesn't make sense to anybody that doesn't know what the father knows. But the father knows this. My son's heart has changed and he's decided to come home and he seeks to be restored to where he was. And he doesn't think that he's worthy, but I think he's worthy. So I'm going to treat him based on what I know about him to be true, not based on what he thinks is true about himself. And nobody, that, 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 nobody besides the father understands that. There's going to be times where God says, march around the building, and it looks crazy to everybody but you because you're the one who heard the Father's voice. There's going to be times where the Father promotes and celebrates somebody that you don't think deserves it, that you don't think is worthy of it, and the response of your heart is really telling about what you believe about the Father and what you understand about His love for you. Because it's really easy to celebrate when someone we feel deserves it gets promoted. But let somebody, never mind somebody maybe related to us or that we're in close relationship with, that we know who they really are, gets promoted and suddenly the response of our heart, we have to check. And this is what happens to the older brother. He's not angry about a party. He's not angry about celebrating. In fact, had they come to him and said, oh, your dad just found out that he made way more money this year than last year and he's throwing a big party to celebrate, the older brother would have probably ran to the house, joined in the celebration, joined in the partying, ate the fattened calf, danced with everybody and had a great night. But as soon as he finds out the reason, and as soon as the reason doesn't make sense to his mind, and as soon as it's happening to somebody he doesn't think deserves it, what comes up in his heart is anger. It's a good test. Let somebody that you don't think deserves something receive something and see how you respond. That's a really good test of where your heart is. Even worse is when we think it's something that we deserve. That's probably the hardest thing. Because he sees the brother who's... What did the brother say? He said, give me all that's mine. What does it say the father gave him? All that was his. So everything that was left belonged to who when the father died? The older brother. He's looking and he's seeing, wait a minute. He's got a ring, he's got a robe, he's got sandals, and he killed the best meat that we have. That's supposed to be mine. And you gave it to him. And he doesn't deserve it. And I do. So what happens? The father, for the second time that day, sees one of his sons in trouble and goes to him. 
See, we make it all about the time when he ran and overwhelmed the younger brother on the porch, but God is just as concerned with the older brother as he is with the younger brother, and when he sees something going on with the older brother, what does it say? It says, uh, I'll tell you in a second as soon as I find it. No, but, okay, right here, 28. He says, but he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. Both those days, the father has to go out to, to either one of his sons. The difference is, one is hesitant to come into the house because he thinks that he doesn't deserve to be there. The other is hesitant to go into the house because he thinks he's the only one that deserves to be there. And in both cases, if what they believe isn't corrected by the father, neither of them comes into the house. And yet we would look at one and say, wow, is he lost? And we would look at the other and say, wow, is he found? But in their hearts, neither of them wanted to be or felt like they could go into the father's house. One of them thought, I don't deserve to be in the house. I don't deserve to be like, one of, like a son anymore. I'm going to ask him to make me as one of his hired servants. Where did the hired servants live? Not in the father's house. They lived in the servants' quarters. So one of them isn't going into the house because he thinks he doesn't deserve to be there. The other one refuses to go in because he thinks he's the only one that deserves to be there. And both of them are equally lost and both of them are not going to be where the Father wants them unless he comes and corrects something and changes their hearts. So he goes to the one son and says, listen to me, you deserve to be in my house because you're my son, not because of what you have or haven't done. That's the father going to the prodigal. The father has to go to the older son and look at his response. But he answered and said to his father. Now the father's pleading with him. What do you think the father's pleading with him for? Come into the house. It says he was angry, refused to go in. So the father went to him and began pleading with him. The father's pleading with him. Please come in the house. You're my son. This is a party. You should be here. You belong here. Stop standing out here. Come in and enjoy what I have. He's pleading with him. And the son answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours, and yet you've never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate. See, he was keeping a list. He remembers everything the father has and hasn't given to him. You haven't so much as given me a young goat. What's he saying? That's the worst meat. The worst meat in the household would have been young goat. Not very much meat on it, tough and stringy, just the worst meat that you could have. At least if you're going to have a goat, get a big mature goat so that there's a lot of meat. A young goat has hardly any meat on its bones and it's the stringiest, worst meat that they have in the house. A lamb would be better than a goat and a, and a cow would be better than a lamb and a calf that's been fattened, veal, would be better than all of them. And he's saying, you gave him the best. You haven't even given me the least so that I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, what's he saying? He's not even my brother anymore. What has he done? He has lost sight of who who his brother is and he can no longer see him as his brother. And the minute we lose sight of who somebody is and stop seeing them as they really are, every sort of thing is liable to come out of our mouths or be apparent in the actions of our life. This son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours. I do it sometimes joking to Patty when Jackson does something bad or Leah does something bad. I say, look what your kid did. 
You've done that. Look what your son did. What are you saying? I've lost sight of them being my child in the moment because of what they've done. Now that's funny when it's a joke, but when somebody actually from a place of anger and hatred, what comes out of their mouth is, this son of yours comes home. It means I've lost sight of who he is, and because I don't see him for who he is, I can't celebrate when something good goes on in his life. And I'm so busy judging whether or not he deserves it that I can't even be happy for the fact that he's no longer living with the pigs and that he's come home into the father's house. Be really careful what we celebrate. There's probably a bunch of people across this country today that are going to be celebrating hearing bad news. The Bible talks pretty strongly about those who take delight in the folly of others. It should push us to a place of brokenness. It should push us to a place of humility. And it should push us to a place of thanking God that his promises are true over their life just like we believe they're true over ours. Because the minute we lose sight of them being true over somebody else's life, we'll start to lose faith in them being true over ours. Because that seed of hopelessness will reproduce itself. And if you believe somebody else is hopeless, what you're saying is that God either can't or won't do something on their behalf. And the minute you allow a thought of God not being able to or not wanting to change somebody's life to be present in your own life and to believe it about somebody else, you will eventually find yourself in a situation where you believe the same to be true about you. Because you let that thought go there and because that seed of hopelessness that you allowed to, to germinate in the soil of your heart will bear fruit, and eventually you'll not only believe that things are hopeless for other people, you'll start to believe things are hopeless for you because you gave it place. Be really careful when you look at something and judge it to be hopeless. Be really careful when you're not excited when things turn for the good. Be really, really careful when you can't be excited for someone who's being blessed because you see something in their life that makes you think that they don't deserve it. If it's God doing it. So the older son has his list. He's got his list not only of everything that he has done, but of everything that hasn't been done. I've been with you all these years. I've obeyed everything that you've commanded me. He is so aware of his goodness and so aware of the father's lack of response to his goodness. And what does it prove? It proves that this whole time he hasn't been doing the things he's been doing out of genuine love and, and desire to serve the Father. He's been doing them because he feels like he's building up equity and that he deserves to be rewarded. And when he's not rewarded and somebody else is, it's the last straw and what's in his heart comes out of his mouth. I've been doing this for all these years and you haven't even. What does that mean? It means I've been keeping score, I've been keeping a time card, and I've been expecting the check to come even if you didn't know it. And now that the check went to somebody else, I'm going to let you know how much more I was deserving of it. And all I'm doing is proving I was in it for myself the whole time. After everything I've done, thank God that this was thousands of years ago and nobody says stuff like that nowadays. Thank God that nobody feels entitled to stuff because of the life that they've lived. Do we got time? Yeah, we do. Okay. 
Genesis 37, chapter 8, I mean, chapter 37, verse 18. What's the heart of the Father? What's the heart of the Father? Verse 31. Mati, can you put that up there? Luke chapter 15, verse 31. Yeah, I know, I said Genesis 37, but I want to just, just finish it up for a second. The father's response, and he said to him, Son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and begun to live, and was lost and has been found. What's he saying? He's saying, Son, you've lost sight of the fact that this whole time that your brother's been living in a pig pen, starving, you've been with me, and everything that I have has been available to you. And the reason you didn't have the fat and calf is you probably just never thought to ask me. He says, you didn't even give me a goat. The father looks at him and says, my son, you've always been with me, and you know everything I have is yours. It's all available to you. A lot of times there's things in our lives that God has made freely available to us, but we don't believe that it's available to ourselves and we're so busy building a case that we won't even stop and allow Him to bless us. Have you ever, listen, have you ever been keeping score? Be honest. Have you ever been keeping score and hoping somebody didn't notice what you were doing because you were building a bigger case against them? Just me? Because I'll be the first to step out and say it. I've done it. I've been building a case and I have been doing things for the purpose of saying, look at what I do and it's unappreciated. And I have done things and actually got mad when somebody thanked me for it. Because it blew my whole case. Because they actually do appreciate it. Now I've got to start over with something else. Yeah, I know, the halo is shrinking. I've been there. Something tells me that maybe one or two have been there before. But nobody shakes their head yes until the pastor stands up here and says that he did it. I've honestly been in that place and that's where the older son was. He was so busy working and so busy thinking about what he deserved and so busy being self-righteous, and so busy judging what other people didn't deserve that he forgot to even stop and allow the Father to bless him because he was busy building a case. I don't need him. I'll just work. I'll just do what's right. I'll do everything he asks me to do because I'm a good son. His motivation got, came out really quickly when the check he thought was deserving of him went to the other people. It's the same thing with the people in the the vine dresser, he hires them and says, hey, would you come and work for this? They say, sure. He goes to the next people later. Would you come and work for this? Sure. Would you come and work? Sure. And so what happens is, is they see what the first, because he pays the first people first. The people who came in last, he pays them first. They see them getting what was promised to them, and you know what's going on in their heart. Oh, I can't wait to see what he's going to pay me. Because that guy worked for an hour and got... 20 bucks. I've worked 12. One hour, $20, 12 times 20, 204. I should be getting 240 bucks at least. Maybe even a bonus because he appreciates how hard I've worked all day long. 
That's what was going on in their hearts because they were totally fine working all day for $20 until they saw someone who was less deserving than them get what they were promised and suddenly in their heart they started building a case where they deserved more than that person because they had worked longer and harder and done more. He gets to them, he hands them 20 bucks. They look at it and they're thinking, you got to be kidding me. That dude only worked an hour and he got 20 bucks. I've worked all day. And the vine looks at me and says, but didn't you agree? Didn't you start by saying that you would work all day for this much money? Isn't this what I promised you? What's he saying? He's saying you can't look at what somebody else gets to determine if you're happy with what you've received. You can't look at what somebody else got or didn't get to determine if you're happy with what you received, if you've received what was promised to you. Why do you care? Why wouldn't you be happy for them? Why not be excited and go over and say, dude, you got 20 bucks too? That's awesome. I'm so excited for you because you didn't have work all day long and then somebody came and gave you work and you weren't even sure if you were going to be able to provide for your family and all you had to do was work an hour and he gave you 20 bucks just like he gave us that worked the full day. See, if you're content and satisfied and happy with what you're receiving and believing that you're receiving out of what his goodness is and his overflow, you're stoked when somebody else receives what maybe they didn't work for. Even if you feel like it was maybe at your expense, you're happy that you could do it for them. I mean, I hope we got enough, I hope I worked hard enough all day long that we got so much done and that at the end of the day he could afford to pay you the same thing he paid us because we worked so hard all day long. I'm excited that I could have played a part possibly in you being blessed. That's awesome. But that requires being in it for others more than ourselves. That requires that believing that others aren't blessed at our expense. That requires believing that he's so good that he can be good to me and he can be good to him even if he didn't work as long as I did to deserve the goodness. That requires rejoicing in all things. Giving thanks in all things. Because what does love do? Hopes all things, believes all things, rejoices with the truth. What a better way to live. What a better way to live to know the promises that God's placed over my life and be so thankful that He makes good on those promises and be really thankful when I see Him give to other people, maybe who didn't even deserve it as much in my own mind, and just be excited for them and think, oh, that's awesome. What a revelation of the heart of the Father. He's so good. All it takes is being alive for others and being alive for Him instead of alive for strictly myself. That's it. Then you can rejoice in all things and give thanks in all things. And you're not keeping a list and you're not doing it for something. You're doing it because of something. You're doing it because He loved us. God, You loved me so much that You gave me this life. How could I not give it back to You? The other thing I want to point out is what was the older brother jealous about? 
Was he jealous about the time that the younger brother spent in the pig pen? Was it really fun there? Was he jealous about the money he spent on women and on drunken revelry and all that stuff that ended nowhere? And maybe the reason he was so upset is because he hadn't settled in his heart yet that the best place for him was to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And maybe he's jealous that the younger brother got to go experience something that maybe he's been tugging at his heart, but out of legalism he hasn't allowed himself to go and do. And how can you go and do something that I fight against and then you receive a blessing and I don't and I've stayed here in the good all this time? Maybe he just needs a revelation, a true revelation of how good it is in the Father's house. And maybe he'd be more excited about being there and more excited when one more comes in than he would be thinking about what he possibly missed out on and why he deserves more because he had to sacrifice. You're not sacrificing by giving up things that the world is chasing after for the sake of being in your father's house. It's not a sacrifice. Trust me. Trust me. Okay. I think. Genesis 37, chapter 37, verse 18. Joseph's brothers says, when they saw him a great, from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits and we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. The dreamer, not here comes our brother. See, they've lost sight of who he is. When you lose sight of who people are, you are capable of just about anything. Here comes this dreamer. Why did they call him that? Because Joseph had a dream. Now whether Joseph should have shared the dream or not is up for interpretation. Maybe some dreams that God gives you are for you to keep in your heart because they're a promise to you. Especially if they involve people around you doing things like bowing down and serving you. It might be better to just trust that God will exalt you in time if you humble yourself in His sight. Okay, but that's not my point here, like whether or not he should have the truth of the matter is, is because they were jealous of him because his father seemed to favor him better and because he had a calling and a promise on his life. And he went to his brothers and said, there's a day coming when I'll be exalted and you'll bow down to me. I'll be a ruler and you guys will bow down to me because of that. They lost sight of who he is and they say, here comes this dreamer. Let's kill him. Can you imagine coming to a place in your life where you see your brother walking towards you and the thing that comes out of your mouth is here he comes. Let's kill him. You can, but when you lose sight of people, you're capable of just about anything. People who lose sight of who people really are, who people who lose sight that that's actually my brother, are capable of just about anything. I promise you this, it didn't start with, let's kill him and throw him in a pit. It probably started with a little bit of talking. Can you believe, Joseph? Who does he think he is? Did you see the coat dad gave him? Yeah. Did you ever get a coat like that? No. I didn't get a coat like that either. None of us did, just Joseph. And then he has this dream. We're going to bow to him? Are you kidding me? I'm not bowing to him. I'm older than he is. If anyone bows to anyone, he's going to bow to me. I'm way older than he is. I'm way more deserving. Because if, if the only way that they can see this happening is the promotion of man. And they're thinking with their minds, if man's going to promote anybody, it's going to be me. 
because I have worked for it. I've earned it. If anybody's going to receive that, it's going to be me. And so they start this talking. I promise you, they weren't out in the field, totally in love with their brother, totally seeing him for who he was one day, and the next day saying, let's kill him. It always starts with something smaller. You always kill something with your lips before you kill it with your hands. You always kill something with your mind before you kill it with your hands. I promise you, you always do the things that you've done with your mind before you actually do them with your body. And if you stop it there, it doesn't go any further. The problem is, is that when you have a bunch of people around you who are thinking the same thing you're thinking, you provoke each other into evil rather than provoking each other into good. So you get a bunch of people that all have the same common offense. They're offended at their father and they're offended with their brother. And so because of this, common offense rather than common unity has drawn them together. Be really careful what you call community isn't common offense. Because a lot of people are drawn together because they're all offended at the same thing. The problem with that is, is you're all offended. Which means you're all living for yourselves or you wouldn't be offended. And where you see selfish ambition and jealousy, there is every evil thing. So a bunch of brothers who are jealous and have selfish ambitions, get rid of him because then we will never bow to him. And, and, and plus, the Father has, has favored him, given him something that he never gave us. They're jealous and they have their own selfish ambitions. And because that has been allowed to thrive in their little circle, it gives birth to murder. Let's kill him and throw him in a pit. They've lost sight of who he is. They've lost sight of their relationship to him and they see him as the problem rather than seeing him as possibly a source of blessing in their life. Because the truth of the matter is, is if God was going to exalt Joseph to the palace, his brothers were coming there with him because they were bowing before him, which means they had to be in the palace with him. Think about it. They didn't even have to have the responsibilities that Joseph had. All they had to do was just enjoy the overflow of the favor on his life. But when we lose sight of someone being our brother, we lose sight of the fact that they're our family. When we see them favored, when we see them promoted, all we can think is they got it because we didn't. And they don't deserve it, and we do. And rather than just celebrating with them and rejoicing with them and enjoying the overflow of favor, they would have lived in the palace with them. Eventually, they did anyways. They were destined to live in the palace with Joseph with no responsibilities. They didn't have to make any hard decisions. Nothing was required of them except for to stay in relationship and stay in love. And if they stay in relationship and they stay in love, they enjoy the favor that falls on anybody in their family because it overflows onto them. I promise you guys, if people in our family or in your families, your your physical families, are being blessed, just stay in love, stay in relationship, don't get into judgment, and I promise you the overflow of that favor will come onto your your family and it will come onto you. Don't have a list. Because if you keep a list of everything that you've done right, you'll start keeping a list of everything that someone else has done wrong. I promise you, you can't keep a list of all your rights without starting to keep a list of somebody else's wrongs. And all you're doing when you're keeping a list is saying, I'm doing this for the list. I'm not doing this for love. I'm doing this with an expectation that one day there's something coming. That's my primary motivation. Of course we have promises in the Bible that say things like, give and it shall be given to you. But that's not the reason that we give. That's just a promise out there. If the reason you're giving is to get, your heart's not right to begin with. 
And even if you do reap some kind of a, of a harvest, it's not going to be the kind that God wanted for you to begin with, and it's not going to bring you the greatest amount of joy because your heart's not right. Even he agrees with me. He's a wise young man. He knows truth. So here comes the dreamer. So the other thing is that a lot of times we make judgments based on what we see in the moment and we have no idea the history behind it. And I was thinking about this this week. And I'm just going to close up with this. And then I want us to spend a little bit of time just praying for the people of Dallas, for the police officers, and just for our country, just in general. Man. There's so much anger. There's so much rage. There's so much miscommunication. It's time for us as a country to actually start loving each other, listening to what each other is saying, and speaking truth and love to each other. It really is. But so I was thinking about this the other day. A, 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 bunch, a lot of you guys know, and if you don't know, a couple years ago, God blessed me with a vehicle. Free. Gave it to me. Um, I, well, I traded a car that was worth a tenth of the value for it, so it was basically free. And the car was broken at the time, really. So, so he gave it to me. <laughs> it was a blessing. And so I didn't have to pay a tow truck to take the other vehicle out of the yard, basically. So I got doubly blessed. But but I, 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 and, and, and I just, the person, when they gave it to me, I said, I can't take this from you. They said, you're not taking it from me. You're taking it from the Father. He's the one that told me to give it to you. And he said, to give you this because you would never do this for yourself. That's awesome. Last week, I was thinking about something. And I was thinking about the beginning of the church. And I was thinking about something, things that had happened during that time. And I remembered something. I remember that when the church first started, I actually gave a vehicle to somebody. I had a truck. And somebody that I know had lost their job and were wanting to start a little business themselves, so I told them they could borrow my truck because I didn't need it. Our company had trucks at the time, and so I just I let them borrow my truck. And then one day I pulled in here, and I noticed that they had parked it kind of funny, and I saw that there was like a scrape along the side, and I thought, man, that must stink to have, you know, on a job site, hauling stuff around, and, and, and then feeling like you have somebody else's vehicle, and anytime somebody does something to it or something happens, then you feel badly about it. So I just went into the person, and I said, hey, you can, I gave him the title. I said, the truck's yours. You can have it. Just be blessed. Like, I believe in you. I'm stoked for you. And I think your company and, and what you do in life is going to be great. I totally forgot that I did that. I hadn't remembered that in six years. I never mentioned it. I never thought about it. I never did it. And I'm not telling this story to say, look at me. I'm telling this story to say, look at God. Here's the thing, though. If you look at my life and you see me receive a Jeep without even seeing that years before that I had actually given something away to somebody that was a big deal to me, you probably might be tempted, if you're not careful, to judge what you see without taking into account everything that you didn't. We can do that with people. We see the moment and we judge the moment, but yet we fail to understand or even believe that there might be more to it than we see. There might be a little more to the story. There might be something that God's asked of them that they hasn't, He hasn't asked of us, or something God asked of them that He asked of us and we failed to do. And so we make a judgment in the moment. Because our perspective is limited sometimes. If we would keep ourselves from doing that, we would position ourselves to be blessed by God a whole lot easier. Because here's the point. What would it have taken for the older brother to enjoy everything that the younger brother was enjoying at that moment? It would have been dropping his judgment, walking into the house, and taking his place at the father's table where he belonged. Instead, he stood outside in judgment 
and missed out on everything the Father had for him. And it's not the Father's heart for any of his kids to stay outside his house for whatever reason they're out there. It's his heart that they would all sit at his table, that everyone would come to say, this one thing I've asked, this is the thing I see, to, to gaze upon your beauty and to dwell in your house. Better is one day in your house, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. Like, God, I don't want anything to keep me out of the house. I don't want my sin and feeling unworthy, and I don't want someone else's sin and feeling they're unworthy to keep me from coming in and taking my place at the table. I just want to be where you are. I don't want to be the prodigal, and I don't want to be the older brother. I don't want to judge myself as unworthy, and I don't want to judge others as unworthy. I just want to be at the table feasting with you and let you sort out who deserves what because you're good, you're just, you're true. Yeah? God, I just thank you for this truth. I thank you that, that we wouldn't be the older brother or the younger brother, God, that we would be sitting at your table, that no matter where we came from, God, if we were the one that was doing good and judging those that weren't, God, or if we were the one that was living wildly and felt we under, didn't deserve your love, no matter where we started, that our journey ended at your table in your house, God. And I thank you that we'll just stay there and that every person that comes in, we're excited for We're excited to see other people blessed, God, believing that your favor upon anybody in our family, whether here or extended family, wherever it is, if we just stay in love, if we stay in relationship, that the the effect of that favor will make its way to us and it will enrich our lives because we're all your family, God. God, we lift up churches across this nation right now, God, wherever they're gathered we just ask, Father God, that you would continue to pour out your spirit, God, that there would be blessing upon blessing flowing into your people, that it would provoke people that don't know you to want to know you because they see the fruit of the lives of people who follow Jesus in every area of their life, God, in their relationships, in their jobs, and in their finances, God, in their children, in the way that their children behave, in the way that their children give a testimony to them, God, that every area of their life, God, if there's any area right now where people are making choices that are outside of your will, that you would go to them like the good father that you are, whether they're in the back side of the field in judgment or the bottom side of the road in sin, that you would go to them and bring them into that place of your house, God. In Jesus' name.